Hey everybody, welcome to this month's edition of Live Wired in Calgary, broadcast monthly here on CJSW 90.9 FM. I do appreciate you having a listen. Before we get started though, I just wanted to remind you of the impact quality local news has on a community. It informs, it rallies citizens, it changes things in your community, and yet community-focused local news coverage still binds everything together. It tells the story of a city. But we're losing that. People are taking quality information for granted and for free and asking for more coverage, deeper investigations, and more accountability. It all comes at a cost. Thankfully, as independent media, our overhead isn't high and we direct 90% of funding to journalism. You won't find that at other media outlets. And to put it into perspective... If each person who viewed a story in 2020 paid $1 just once, that's right, just once, we could have funded 10 full-time journalists. That's more coverage, more investigations, more accountability, and ultimately, a better Calgary. Don't take quality, community-focused local news for granted. Make an investment. Do it at patreon.com slash Livewire Calgary. Enjoy the show. This is Livewired in Calgary. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to another year of Livewired in Calgary. I'm your host, Darren Krause, editor at LivewireCalgary.com. As always, this show is done in partnership with the amazing team here at CJSW 90.9 FM, and I am recording from my home office situated on traditional Treaty 7 land. This year, we're going to mix it up a little bit. Up to this point, we've stuck with the pattern of roughly three interviews with a little bit of commentary. Well, we're not going to deviate too much from that right away, I'm going to explore touching on a few more hot-button topics when they arise with quick clips and updates where necessary. So, sometimes it'll be shorter and sweeter. Other times, we'll give you longer, more insightful interviews. Other times, it'll be a combination of both. This month, we're going to hit on a couple of things. First, the situation involving the Calgary Fire Department and claims of harassment and racism. You'll hear from Matt Osborne, Vice President of the Calgary Firefighters Association. We'll also talk with David Tonelson. He's got a handful of volunteers to help put together the YYC console drive. A couple of mayoral candidates have put their name into the ring, and we'll hear clips from interviews I did with them. Plus, we're going to look at the U.S. inauguration. What does President Joe Biden's address have to do with Calgary? We'll get into that in a little bit. So we're off now for our first flight with these new changes. I feel like I might need some of those airtight packing bags that my wife uses for travel. But anyways, we will see how this all goes together. Enjoy. The Calgary Fire Department came under fire last week after a CBC News story by Megan Grant documented several instances of racism in Calgary fire halls. 
I followed up on that story after finding a 2015 Calgary Fire Department review that showed 52% of surveyed personnel didn't believe diversity training should be a priority. We'll start first with a portion of an interview I did with Matt Osborne, VP of the Calgary Firefighters Association. What was your initial response when you saw the story from CBC yesterday? Shock, uh, but shock because of the hurt. It's the the sadness. It, we go. I went through. Uh, me personally went through an array of emotions because I know those members and I know they were going through times. We had spent a lot of time working to be able to listen and hear and help us do the work that we needed to do over many years, and we're doing that work. But for me. It just really showed that we have firefighters who are going through a career who are facing racism, who are facing hurt. And for us, that was a huge focus of me yesterday of stopping and just feeling for them. And then I very quickly went into, we need to continue to do more and we need to continue to do better. Matt, I do want to ask you, um, in, in doing a little bit of background research on this, I did find a 2015 report, uh, zero-based review on the, Calgary, or, uh, on the Calgary Fire Department, and it did show at that time that, number one, there was a real need for diversity and inclusion training, but I, I, was, I was interested to see the results of a survey of, of members that showed more than half either somewhat or strongly disagreed that diversity training should be a priority. How would you respond to that? Again, it's it, it's shock. Because of that time, it's reports like that that help all of us to realize the areas we can grow in. So if that comes through a report and actually gets shown, not only is it listening to voices and listening to people, but reports like that have been a very important step in our journey we are we have to take action we are taking action and in 2016 2015 and all the way through the years we're setting up committees helping and working with uh, the fire department the firefighters are a part of this process we are all in and we want to do more we need to do more and it's such important work that we are taking action and reports like that are important in those steps and it helps us to realize areas of growth. And in 2015, that was a very important step. And so we hope today that not only is that, sh- that number shocking, especially now, but it's that next step of today is where we are today and where can we be better tomorrow. During a city council meeting last week, councillors discussed the matter behind closed doors. When they merged, this was the result. You'll hear from Community Services GM Katie Black. While we can't discuss specific allegations or instances referenced in the CDC article or the July anti-racism hearings, the Calgary Fire Department recognizes work is needed. And it's working through a solid respect and inclusion work plan and making a number of strides in key areas. Those key areas include ensuring that all Calgary Fire Department staff have completed respect in workplace training last year. The Calgary Fire Department is supporting the development of a safe disclosure office. 
the Calgary Fire Department has and is continuing to review and adjust programs and internal policies to be more inclusive, equitable, and anti-oppressive. Right where we left off in 2020, we begin in 2021. I have no doubt we will continue to hear stories of systemic racism here in Calgary as we navigate our way forward. Do you have an old gaming system collecting dust in your home? It might be better in the hands of someone that could really use it. And now, a group of Calgary volunteers is hoping to unite young Calgarians with this isolation buster. Here's my interview with David Tattleson with YYC Console Drive. I'm a pretty avid gamer. Um, I have a bunch of consoles. I build my own computers. Gaming is one of my passions and is also one of my stress relievers. So whenever I have had a, um, a stressful day, maybe I had an exam and I want to kind of relax, I either go to the gym or I play some video games with some friends. So uh, to me, it's a very close part of uh, my personal life and something I enjoy uh, immensely. Now, it's also been kind of a big connection to uh, my friends abroad, like I said, I moved to Calgary in 2017 with my partner, mm-hmm. and I left a lot of friends back in Ottawa, um, and I have many friends that moved to the U.S. So one way of keeping in touch with them was through these games. It very much came handy when the pandemic hit and lockdowns hit. That part of my life didn't really change because we were all already remote and playing with each other. So. I still got that socialization factor out of the way, even though I couldn't see my friends in Calgary. They, uh, some of them hopped on video games as well. But yeah, it, it helped me with my isolation. So it didn't hit me as much as I know it hit a lot of other people. Um, at the same time, in November, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but a new generation of consoles came out. The PS5, the uh, new Xbox. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people jumped on a bandwagon. And it kind of clicked in my head during that time that, you know what, right now, isolation is, um, it's been a prolonged lockdown, so isolation is still growing, and who feels the most isolated? Well, there's the children that um, have pre-existing conditions that were in the hospital before, and who used to be able to go to the common room and play uh, with other kids, but now they're strictly in lockdown. At the same time, this entire pandemic um, aggravated the financial situations for many families. So families that were already kind of having a hard time making ends meet uh, before the pandemic, now uh, with the lockdown and the cutbacks and all that stuff, uh, they might be struggling even more. So the idea of having a new generation of consoles, so people are going to be looking to get rid of their older consoles, or they might not necessarily be looking to get rid of them, but they won't need them really. And the fact that uh, there's a real need out there, uh, I reached out to Children's Hospital, I reached out to uh, Homes Woods, or with Homes rather, and between friends, I've reached to a bunch of other organizations as well. They do seem to have a need for these gaming consoles and controllers and games and all that stuff so that they can provide entertainment for the people that they help. So between that, between the new generation coming out, the supply was technically there or we assumed the supply was there and after talking to a couple of the potential recipients uh the demand was there as well so um we kind of started 
working together, me and Jeremy uh, started kind of brainstorming this. Uh, we talked to um, a friend of ours, um, Julia, who ran a tech drive just when the pandemic was starting, just collecting laptops for students that couldn't do remote learning because they didn't have a computer. Right. Uh, kind of took her lessons learned, uh, implemented in hours, and uh, started kind of rolling with this. And uh, I guess we've kind of been operational for about a, a week. Yeah. I'm only saying kind of just because um, a lot of our marketing language was just approved on Friday by our recipients. Today will be kind of the first day where I'm going to be making a real push. I'm going to be reaching out to all the media outlets and uh, making a tons of posts and stuff like that and really get the ball rolling. Nice. No, that's that's yeah. awesome. So. Um, I mean, there was kind of a, maybe a, a soft launch, you know, that started last week, Crack Max got the yep. word out. Have you had any, uh, have you had any people jump on and say, Hey, yeah, take my console. Oh yes. We've had a, a bunch of donations come in. We usually have volunteers, uh, or we've lined up volunteers to kind of pick up, uh, whatever donations accumulate over a week, over the weekend, uh, just so, um, we have the city in quadrant. They don't have to run out every single day and grab consoles, which we'll just grab a whole bunch of them in one sure. area. But um, I don't have the numbers per se, but I think we have a, already at least about 10 consoles come in. Oh, nice. And then a whole bunch of games, a whole bunch of controllers. Um, I, I think we're getting a whole set of the uh, rock band. Oh, uh, wow. The drums, the guitar, the microphone. Yeah, so it's been, it's been really great. And the fact that it's just a soft launch, it feels great that people are responsive to this. If you have a console to donate, visit yycconsoledrive.com or email them for information at yycconsoledrive at gmail.com. The Afterburners fired up on Calgary's mayoral race just after the new year. Two new contenders launched their bid, Zane Novak and current Ward 3 councillor Jyoti Gondek. While I'd love to broadcast my entire interviews, there isn't the time, so I picked out some clips that capture their response to specific questions. First, let's hear from Zane Novak. So, final question here. Um, I want to I wanna fast forward to uh, election night. Zane, you are, uh, you are elected mayor. What is the first sort of actions you would take um, starting day one as the mayor of Calgary? Well, I'm going to start it before then, and that is to build relationships with the fellow councillors that we have. We aren't going to agree on everything. We're not going to vote the same way on everything. But I think in general, I need to know the team I'm working with. And one of my skills in my entire, one of my better skills in my entire life has been able to get people to sit down to table with varying ideas, varying objectives, varying goals, and to be able to come to a consensus where we can move things forward and everybody comes out with the win on the table. It's maybe not the win they wanted when they went in, but it's a win to move the city forward. So I think my first thing is to work collaboratively with uh, my fellow councillors and let's have a united team that really leads this city to the future. This next clip is from Jyoti Gondek. 
you have mentioned it already in this interview, um, but it's also come up quite a bit so far in the campaign with many of the the candidates um, talking about harmony on council, uh, or I guess the lack thereof. In many cases, you have been a part of some of those um, more robust conversations um, to the point where it's, it's become a little bit divisive. What reassurances can you give Calgarians that you are the right leader to bring council together to move forward? When it comes to how council conducts its business with each other, I would say all of us are quite passionate about representing the best interest of our citizens and doing the right thing for Calgarians. And sometimes those interests are at odds with other people. So Green Line is a great example. When the original Green Line recommendations came to us at committee, the thing I was most disappointed in is that there was nothing for the North. There was no promise of anything past 16. So I dug in and talked to my colleagues and said, there has to be some provision for some type of mobility corridor in the north. Otherwise, this entire project still leaves us behind. So I took them up to my neighborhood like I did with you, and I demonstrated to them why some dedicated commitment to transit would actually make life better for Calgarians. And that was the key. As soon as people went there and saw what was happening, they understood why it was so important to me. And so I was able to collaborate with them to get those provisions put in. But it is sometimes really difficult to get your point across when we represent such a big and diverse city. So I think people latch on to the debates and the arguments we have. And sometimes I think they forget about the great outcomes. We had a 14 to one decision on the green line. So we do come together, but it's sometimes a bit noisy to get there. Well, I want you to fast forward to October 19th. It's the day after election. We are now calling you Mayor-elect Gondek. What is your first order of business? What is job one for you? I would like to pick up the phone and congratulate all of the councillors that won and have a very quick conversation with them because they will all be exhausted and just talk about some of their priorities, their top one or two things that they would like to get done. And the other thing that I think is going to be important is to ask, what role do you see yourself playing on council? Are there standing policies you're interested in? Organizations like AUMA or FCM where you see yourself. I really want to understand what it is that people are passionate about and the experience they bring to deliver on that passion. That's the only way we're going to build a strong team. Of course, also in the running is Brad Field and Teddy Ogbana, along with current Ward 11 councillor Jeremy Farkas. In some early Friday morning news, Ward 8 councillor Evan Woolley decided that he would not run for re-election in the upcoming campaign. But... Ward 6 councillor Jeff Davison, who had been widely speculated to be making a run at the mayor's chair, decided that he would run for re-election, and so far it's in Ward 6. When I talked with Davison on Friday, we addressed the issue of the mayoral run and why he wasn't taking that step. So you talk about the the city moving forward and, you know, we've got a lot to build on and you you want to continue taking that leadership role. So I guess the million dollar question, Jeff, is what made you decide not to run for mayor as had been widely speculated? Um, 
to be honest, I don't know that I've made that decision. I think there's lots of time between now and October. Um, you know, for me, I want to be a part of this next council because I, I think, you know, we've laid some incredible economic foundation that I want to see through. Um, you know, and, and like I say, there's lots of time now between sort of uh, now and October to, to make a decision if you were going to run for another chair. You know, for me, I think when it comes to mayoral announcements right now, you know, people aren't concerned with who are, who's not going to be the mayor. They're mm-hmm. concerned with, can I pay my mortgage next month? I'm concerned with COVID-19. Uh, I'm concerned that we need people who can, you know, provide some guidance and ensure that we've got a strategy to get out of this. And so, um, you know, I, I'm open to continually evaluating whether or not I would run for a different role. Um, but for now, I think, you know, We've got to get hyper-focused on, you know, getting our, our economy back on track and, and figuring out how we get through this pandemic. I do want to talk to you about issues in Ward 6, but I just want to follow up on that. Um, I, to be honest with you, uh, even after having covered, I think this is probably my, my fifth or sixth election, how does that work? You file your papers. Do you not have to announce what role you're seeking at the time? How, how does that work? It's a little bit different with the new rules. And so for, you know, for anyone right now, I mean, up until sort of that September timeline, uh, you can file for whatever you want as long as you've declared you're a candidate for something. Uh, so, you know, there's plenty of time to look at whether or not you would file different paperwork. There's plenty of time for others to file that paperwork. What we're going to see through this election is going to be very different than what we've ever seen in Calgary before during elections. I think, you know, the pandemic will obviously have uh, certain abilities to build name recognition or not for for candidates. Uh, You know, door knocking will be different. Uh, Campaigning will be different. Uh, And and in that, uh, this is a little bit of a different process in terms of how you even declare yourself as a candidate. Uh, We have new rules in place now that basically say, come January 1, you want to declare yourself as a candidate if you intend to run for something. Um, But there's no rules that say once you've declared, that's what you're locked into. So what would be the catalyst then for you, Jeff, in making that decision to run for mayor? You know, one of the interesting things about this council, and, you know, one of my colleagues announced today that he won't be seeking re-election. You know, I think this is potentially going to be one of the largest turnovers in council history. And, you know, there's there's a good and a bad that comes with that. You know, the good, you get, you know, you get fresh faces, you get new ideas, uh, you know, maybe, maybe new proactive ways of doing things. The bad is that uh, during a pandemic and during an economic crash, there's inconsistencies in representation. And so one of the biggest challenges going forward is, you know, looking at a mayor who can, you know, effectively bring people together, can work together, can build consensus, uh, and can get things done. I think Calgarians are incredibly tired of the endless debates and nitpicking that council members do. They're looking for somebody to show up who can be a real leader. So I guess in in some cases, given this, this information, some Calgarians out there might think, well, maybe he's waiting for an opportunity. Maybe if he sees a sign of weakness among some of the other candidates, maybe an opportunity to exploit some of those weaknesses. I guess, is this is this a wise move or, or are you kind of hedging your bets here, Jeff? You know, to be honest, it's not really on my mind as to whether or not we're going to look at that mayoral role or not. I think, you know, I, I've always said I'm committed to the ward I, I grew up in and I'm raised in. Um, you know, I think... You know, ultimately, you know, for me, when you consider the idea of are you or are you not going to run for mayor, 
uh, you know, personally, when I look at candidates, I don't want people telling me they're going to run for mayor. I want to hear from my friends in the public saying that person should run for mayor. That person's somebody we should get behind. Uh, and because I think, you know, that's really what you want in, in a candidate going forward. And so, you know, for me, we obviously hear those things from, you know, from the public, uh, and it's incredibly flattering. Um, but, you know, what you hear in your own local circle can be very different in terms of what you hear across the city. And, you know, the mayoral race is a much different race. So stay tuned to LiveWireCalgary.com and check out our election tab on the homepage. We're keeping track of all of the candidates in our mission to interview as many as we can leading up to the October 18th municipal election. We're going to finish off with a clip from last week's inaugural address from President Joe Biden. While the president's speech was somewhat upstaged by National Poet Laureate Amanda Gorman, if you haven't heard her speech, look it up. But there was a really poignant part that's very applicable right here at home. No, it's not the Keystone XL. It has to do with division, unity, fact, and misinformation. It's a real problem here in Canada, Alberta, and in Calgary. Let's listen to the clip. I know speaking of unity can sound to some like a foolish fantasy these days. I know the forces that divide us are deep and they are real. But I also know they are not new. Our history has been a constant struggle between the American ideal that we're all are created equal and the harsh, ugly reality that racism, nativism, fear, Demonization had long torn us apart. The battle is perennial, and victory is never assured. Through civil war, the Great Depression, World War, 9-11, through struggle, sacrifice, and setbacks, our better angels have always prevailed. In each of these moments, enough of us, enough of us have come together to carry all of us forward. And we can do that now. History, faith, and reason show the way, the way of unity. We can see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. We can join forces, stop the shouting, and lower the temperature. For without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury, no progress. Only exhausting outrage. No nation. Only a state of chaos. This is our historic moment of crisis and challenge. And unity is the path forward. And we must meet this moment as the United States of America. If we do that, I guarantee you we will not fail. We have never, ever, ever, ever failed in America. We've acted together. And so today, at this time, in this place, let's start afresh, all of us. Let's begin to listen to one another again, hear one another, see one another, show respect to one another. Politics doesn't have to be a raging fire, destroying everything in its path. Every disagreement, 
doesn't have to be a cause for total war. And we must reject the culture in which facts themselves are manipulated and even manufactured. Many centuries ago, St. Augustine, a saint of my church, wrote that a people was a multitude defined by the common objects of their love, defined by the common objects of their love. What are the common objects we as Americans love that define us as Americans? I think we know. Opportunity, security, liberty, dignity, respect, honor, and yes, the truth. Recent weeks and months have taught us a painful lesson. There is truth and there are lies. Lies told for power and for profit. And each of us has a duty and a responsibility as citizens, as Americans, and especially as leaders. Leaders who have pledged to honor our Constitution and protect our nation, to defend the truth and defeat the lies. As I mentioned, we have a municipal election coming up. In today's climate, we will undoubtedly be bombarded by misinformation, half-truths, partial sets of facts, confirmation bias. It's something, as President Biden said, we have to fight against. Just because you don't like the way something sounds or that it aligns with your personal convictions doesn't always make it a fact. We need to be fact seekers, even when sometimes those facts are difficult to hear. Though it may sound counterintuitive, that's how we break down the barriers. That's how we start to define and understand the issues facing us. That's how we overcome them. I challenge each and every one of you to check your bias at the door this upcoming municipal election. Who has good ideas? Who is using legitimate and full information when they speak on pressing Calgary issues? Those are the people who not only need your votes, but they need your support along the way. It's going to be a buzzworthy election this time around. Calgary is best served when its citizens take the time to fight against the half-truths and the misinformation. All right, this new format went by extremely fast. Thanks to David Tannelson and Matt Osborne for interviews this month. We packed a lot in there, but I do hope you enjoyed it. Take care out there, stay safe and healthy, and we'll talk to you again in a month. So long.